0: Welcome to a life shared parent helps and renovations. Whether your kids are three months old or 33 years old, we can live with each other in a way that gives life. That's a life shared. I'm Ellen Martin. Glad you joined us. Katie, welcome to a life shared. Hi,
1: Ellen. Thanks for having me.
0: You work with the American Cancer Society. Your title is the Strategic Director Comprehensive Cancer Control Initiatives. <laughs> in simple, it's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. In simple, straightforward terms, you help many to help minimize the impact yep. of cancer in people's lives. This series around cancer, which affects one in three people, Maybe they have not had cancer themselves, but someone they know and love has. Uh, Mm -hmm. I appreciate you being here. Cancer before 2019 was the big C word. You know, the word cancer evokes a lot of feelings and emotions for people. I can remember when my dad had lung cancer and people would find out what kind of cancer he had. They would just look at me like he was already in a coffin. You know, prostate cancer, not so much. Prostate cancer, if caught early, is very treatable. But, you know, one of the things we've found over the years is cancer is not just one thing. It's more complicated than we knew. There are blood cancers, there are tumor cancers, and each one has its own prognosis. I can remember my children saying, well, if Papa has cancer, then they'll just give him medicine and he'll get better. And that's really how we think of so many things in life, right? Especially our children. They get a cold, we give them medicine, they get better. Um, They have a fever, we give them medicine, they get better. And uh, I can remember thinking, how do I explain this to a seven-year-old and younger? And I kind of sat there and because conversations with kids is part of my thing and uh, helping make complicated, difficult conversations simple for all ages, I said, well, you know, cancer's funny. Cancer is one of those things where sometimes you give medicine and it goes away. Sometimes it yeah. does that. And sometimes you give cancer medicine and it says, oh, that's fine. I'll go live over here. It just moves. Yep. And sometimes you give medicine for cancer and it gets mad and it just throws a tantrum and it gets bigger. Mm. I said, so we're just going to pray for Papal." and his cancer, because it's not like other things. It's a little different. So because you work in a field where it's a little different, and we've learned so much, I really appreciate you being here to help us know a little bit more about cancers that are actually treatable. Screenings and preventions that we have learned through all the things we've learned about cancer that that we can actually do and not endure the hardship that once upon a time was just going to be what people lived through exactly so with this interview i love that you know your work well you've been doing this um connected to the cancer field for 21 years it's fair to say you are a legit expert So, thank you for bringing your knowledge and boiling it down in this interview, and then for more details, we'll have a link in the descriptions. So, what are cancers that we can screen for?
1: Great question, and you're right, cancer has been the big C word for over 100 years, really, and um, it's exciting that what's evolved in the past, you know, 50 plus years, that that makes it more um, of a chronic disease, almost more like diabetes for some mm-hmm. people than it is a, a death sentence. So, so there are uh, screenings that have been developed over the past, um, in this century, in the past century that have made it possible to live a very, very long time um, after a diagnosis of cancer. So the ones that you can um, find early uh, through screenings are cervical cancer, breast cancer, colorectal cancer and lung cancer. Prostate cancer is another one. There's a little bit more controversy about prostate cancer screening, and I won't go into all those details. Mm -hmm. So I would just encourage your listeners to have somebody they can ask these questions to.
0: I, I love what you're saying here, Katie. You know, I, because I have a father with lung cancer, you know, one of the questions is, do I need to do a screening for lung cancer? I know because I have chronic heart disease in my family every generation on both sides <laughs> you know mm. it's it's definitive that my chances for heart disease are are high you know yeah. that i did a early cholesterol levels you know where am mm-hmm. i so you know i think that blood work is a screening that we're all really familiarized with it's not as intimidating we know that this is information that we need to see where things are and is that a fair comparison to cancer screenings. Look, this is in my history. I just need some information about what my propensity is to this health concern.
1: Yeah, and that gets back to having a provider that you Mm -hmm. have given a full family history to, Mm -hmm. which to be honest, some of us don't know, right? Yes, but, you know, definitely. to be able to ask those questions at the next family gathering you're at, like, you mm-hmm. know, I know that my grandmother had colon cancer. I didn't know that it was called colon cancer until I was probably in my 20s. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, they would refer to it as, you know, oh, she had, you know, stomach cancer, really what it was. But no. but they didn't know what to call it. And then I find out later, oh, wait, my grandmother had colon cancer. My father had colon cancer. Mm-hmm. Um So to ask those questions at family gatherings, bring that information to your provider as much as you can, will help them know what you need and when. But like I would say as a young, as a young woman, by age 25, a woman should be having cervical cancer screening, right? When you and I were young, the, the, there were different recommendations. Now they're saying every three years to have a pap test. And that's something that you want to start in your by 25 for sure. So
0: clarification for our listeners, the cervical cancer screening is done in a standard pap test. It is
1: correct. Correct. (laughs) I mean, and and what they also do is when they do um, when you go to a gynecologist and they do cervical cancer screening, they are also testing for something called HPV, human papillomavirus. Mm -hmm. So that's Mm -hmm. something else I'll bring up. Um, There are actually vaccines now, and I know this is controversial, so I won't go into a lot of detail, but there are vaccines that have been studied to prevent cervical cancer and other cancers that are caused by the human papillomavirus. So so that is something they also test for, because if they do that test, when they're doing your pap test and they see that you um, have that virus, they're going to want to test you more often for cervical cancer and for other related cancers.
0: Yeah, because it's a flag.
1: Yep. So um, in your 20s being screened for cervical cancer um, for women out there. And then once you start to get into your 40s, you need to be thinking about breast cancer screening, colon cancer screening. And if you're an African-American male, you want to start thinking about prostate cancer screening. African-American men get prostate cancer at a younger age than their Caucasian um, and Hispanic cohorts. So 20s, think cervical cancer, 20s and 30s if you're a woman, and then women and men need to start thinking in um, their 40s towards 50 about colon cancer screening, mm-hmm. men thinking prostate, women thinking breast, and just keeping up with those screenings as you get into 50 and beyond. Yeah. So what's exciting about the cancers I'm talking about is that if they are able to identify them at an early stage, they're more treatable. You know, yes. they, they've kind of, they're nipping things in the bud, so to speak, and, um, and, and as you said earlier in the podcast, there are there's so many things that we can't control, like as you were trying to explain it to your kids. Yeah, that this is one fairly simple thing that we can do to be proactive. Mm-hmm. So I know that I don't know when you're going to air this. It's New Year where you and I are sitting right <laughs> Um and I, I just wish uh, for your listeners that this could be something they say, okay, this is one thing I'm going to do proactive about my health in this new yeah. year is to go get that screening I've been putting off.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's talk about that right there, Katie, putting off because I have a family member um, who had multiple lumps. They were all benign. They were all removed. No big deal, right? A procedure though that she needed to to go through around 40 my dad was dealing with lung cancer and it's not uncommon when we're actively involved in caring for someone's health that's in our inner circle that we put our health off so yeah. here i was traveling back and forth from kentucky to connecticut helping care for my father in progressed dying lung cancer stages and i turned around and it was like whoa i'm 42 and i haven't well i haven't done a mammogram and i was like okay ellen it's time to be a big girl and go do this i don't scare easily But I got to tell you, it was a little intimidating because one, I'd never done it. Two, they might find something wrong. So, you know, I I think there's a very real part, and I'm sure that you all deal with this, of we don't want to know if something's wrong because then we have to deal with it. We have to face it. So I love that part of what happens with screenings for our health around cancer are that all we have to do is show up. That's right. All we have to do is show up and let other people do their work. And if we're unsure about what it's going to be like, we can get information that will tell us, you know, I called people who had done mammograms, my mother, people who I know every year, they make a mammogram celebration out of it. They take friends and do a group. I did an episode around that mammogram celebration. And it was like, what, what do I need to expect? Yeah, And the truth was, is I was told a lot of helpful stuff, but not everything. Like nobody told me to wear two pieces. So mm-hmm. I wore a dress. Yes. I am, as you can imagine, about as exposed as I can get during my first yes. mammogram. Nobody told me yes. you're not supposed to wear deodorant. Well, thank God they're equipped for us to have on deodorant, you know, so. Right, right. So I think well, there's I so many you. things that make screenings uncomfortable. Right. Right. Well, and and, and
1: to your, what what you're saying is if you had known more, right, Yes. if you had known more then the, it could have been slightly easier. The American Cancer Society, which is where I'm working now, has a website called cancer.org. Couldn't be easier. Mm -hmm. And there, there is places you can click on that website that say, here's what to expect. Love it. Here's what, here's what questions to ask after your mammogram is done. When am I going to get the results? Who will call me? Will they be able to answer my questions, or am mm-hmm. I going to need to have to come back in and have somebody else, you know, answer my questions? Just things that will help you, you know. To be quite honest, for me, it lowers my anxiety when I feel prepared. Totally. So to be able to go and you know print that out, go in, um, check it off. It's it's rewarding, right? Yes. It's something you've done yes. to be proactive, and you're doing it not not even so much for yourself, but as you were saying, for your family. Because totally. every if anyone's listening who's a parent. Mm-hmm. If you are not feeling well, it is so hard to be to do your normal parenting duties. And in my mind, if you are doing something for your health, you are potentially avoiding a scenario where you are sick for quite a while
0: and oh. trying to live life. Yeah. I can't affirm that enough. As a COVID long hauler, I couldn't work for five months. I, I literally spent five weeks at minimum. Completely unavailable and being cared for early Mm. on. And I experienced erratic, unexpected lapses of fatigue that were so debilitating that I can remember being at Walmart and I needed my cart to get me out of the store because my legs didn't have the strength for me to walk on my own. So, as someone who has experienced an illness that Mm. really took me down. I can say all too well that if there was anything I could have done, um, the vaccines weren't available yet. If there was anything I could have done to prevent that, I would have. And now there are things I've learned that I can do. So the screening, again, it's going to that. It is not threatening our lives. It is enriching. Some preventive
1: work can really, quite honestly, spare you a tremendous amount and your family a tremendous amount of pain. Now, of course, some cancers, there's nothing we can do to predict it's coming upon us, right? And Mm -hmm. God willing, with all the research that's going on, they're going to find ways to prevent and screen for all cancers. But these, you know, cervical, breast, colon, lung, prostate, these are cancers that they're able to detect early
0: and start working on. Great. Well, you've already answered a lot of my questions because you're good at what you do. Not shocking since you've been in this industry for 21 years. You know, there are other logistical concerns. Our family chose years ago not to have health insurance. There's some people and they have insurance, but it was like ours was. It doesn't cover a lot of stuff and it's crazy expensive and they're going to have to pay out of pocket. What would you say for people who are listening and they're like, yes, I want to do this. Yes, I know it's important, but financially... It just doesn't seem feasible.
1: Right. Well, I will tell you, if you don't have health insurance and, and you feel like you need to get a screening test, it is possible, and again, I don't know what your experience was, Ellen, but to check with your local health department to find out if there's a program that might be available. So for instance, the, um, there's a federal program called the Breast and Cervical Cancer Early Detection Program. It's been around for, gosh, 50 years. And women who um, meet certain criteria can go to their health department and get vouchers to receive screening. Mm -hmm. And if they are diagnosed with cancer, having used one of those vouchers, then they have like a fast track into um, Medicaid if they qualify for Medicaid to get their treatment paid for. Okay. so so there are like safety net programs like that. There's also a colon cancer screening program um, through most state health departments and local health departments. There that they can have you um, get colon cancer tests paid for um, through federal help. So they're, they're safety nets. And so I would say either a local health department, or um, you might have heard of the term a federally qualified health center. Mm-hmm. You can find all that on yeah. cancer.org if you don't know where where to go for those two entities, if you're like health department. You know, I think I've driven that. No, I, 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 I do. So, yeah, I'm yeah. familiar
0: with the health department. <laughs> yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah, then then they can go to cancer.org and there's a place that talks about cost and insurance coverage Mm -hmm. to find out what would be covered for screening. Um, But yeah, you're right. It's a real problem. I mean, I I am insured to the gills as you can imagine with the American cancer society, but I still call my health insurance provider before I had a colonoscopy. And just, I I just asked a couple of questions. Like, I'm just wanting to make sure, you know, what is going to be covered and what I might need to pay for. Right. Yeah. Again, I know that that's annoying and it's another thing in people's day to have to put on their to-do list, right? But again, I'm always thinking to myself having been in the subculture for so long and knowing so many cancer survivors mm-hmm. to say it's worth it. Yeah. It's worth it. Yeah.
0: And you know, you're the beginning of a series. I didn't do series last year, but I am excited that we will have a cancer survivor on. And Wonderful. And also a hospice worker. Hospice is a lifeline for people who need it. It's also grossly misunderstood. So I really appreciate you kicking us off with what can we do while we have choices?
1: Yeah, I was going to just say one one thing, Ellen, that I wanted to, to talk about in the cancer screening subculture is... Women have known, gosh, you and I grew up in an era that said, oh, you need to get a mammogram. You need mm-hmm. to get a mammogram, right? Um, the What's been evolving that's been exciting is the is that kind of cultural knowledge that you need to be screened for colon cancer, right? Mm-hmm. And what's also evolving, which is even more cutting edge, that our kids will be familiar with is lung cancer screening. Yeah, Nine out of 10 lung cancers are caused, unfortunately, through um, smoking. Mm -hmm. And so it was always thought, as you mentioned, with lung cancer, that when you hear that word, lung cancer, it's a death sentence. But there are screenings that are now available, like literally within the past five or six years, that if someone has a certain smoking history, like mm-hmm. which again, that relationship with your provider, if you're honest with your provider and say, right. okay, yes, I've smoked this much for this many years, mm-hmm. they know how to um, run the numbers and say, all right, you do qualify to be screened for for lung cancer, and then potentially find it at an earlier time. You and I both happen to live in Kentucky, which is uh, a very, um, it's, a, it's a rich history in tobacco, um, mm-hmm. a lot of cultural yeah. issues around smoking. Um, that make it, have made it more acceptable, which also means that we've got a really high lung cancer rate here, the highest in the nation. Mm. So this is a really exciting uh, development in, in the subculture. So just wanted to put that bug in your listeners ear. If they have a loved one who smokes, if they themselves are struggling with smoking, Mm -hmm. that, that lung cancer screening has evolved very recently, and they may be eligible to, to be screened for lung cancer.
0: And, you know, some people would be like, oh, maybe you're, you're reading too much into this, Ellen. But with that was. Oh wow, that's really too bad. He did that to himself. Oh, Ellen, you brought up an um, like what you're
1: talking about now. It's 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 call. I mean, we call it stigma. Oh, and there's it's, an it's entire ugly. body. There's an entire body of research out there right now with behavioral psychologists and um in that field about how what can we do as a cancer culture field to lessen the stigma. Yes. It keeps people from asking questions to their doctor. Yes,
0: I mean. It keeps them from getting treatment because the yeah. implicit messages: is, oh, if I hadn't smoked, I wouldn't have done this to myself. Well, here's the thing. If everybody who smoked got lung cancer, it would be different, but they don't. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we all well, make choices be- in life that <clears> have <throat> outcomes that could happen that either do or don't. Right. You know, and
1: here's the you, you, you become addicted to nicotine. I, yeah. I would say I forget what the exact what the exact percentage is, but the vast majority of people who smoke started smoking at a very young age. Yes, probably yes. before they had the full cognitive development. You work with kids all the time to mm-hmm. know how to make certain decisions about your health. So you're a teenager. You're smoking. Nicotine is more addictive than heroin. So it is. By no fault of, of someone to become addicted to a substance that really, once it's been introduced to them on a regular
0: basis, it's there. It's right? really hard to get rid of. Yet. You know, I think one of the things that's so important is that your health is what your health is. We've all made choices that do not lend us to a hundred percent healthy lifestyles. It just yeah. happens. You know, some people eat takeout way too often. Some people drink soda way too much. So I think that when we're talking about cancer, do we make choices that impact us? Yes. Do we have a responsibility for our choices? Yes. Part of the responsibility is to be kind to one another to help us choose life. And so if you're someone listening mm -hmm. and you smoke and you're concerned about the wellness of your lungs, take a deep breath and just find out because you have the ability to be informed about what the health of your lungs are, and then you can make choices from that. And if you're someone listening, and you know someone who has lung cancer, this was my favorite part of my dad's story. My dad did smoke, and yet the irony was he got the lung cancer you don't get from smoking. <laughs> and so oh, when, I would, when I would when I would mention, I was like, "Yeah, darndest thing though, that's not his lung cancer." And then people would just look at me like, "Huh?" <laughs> so I'm like, what are the chances? Exactly. So I I think when it comes to people's health, as the one who's watching, we Mm -hmm. really need to realize all of our stuff that we're bringing to the table and just be kind and unassuming. Or assume the best about other people and where they are and what they're enduring. Because if they do have lung cancer, and it is because they smoked, it's really not very helpful for us to ask that question. And just very unintentionally just kind of drive in this little dagger of, wow, you did that to yourself. That must suck. So I'm I'm done with my personal thing.
1: No, I want to tell you that gosh, 10, 12 years ago, I was guilty of that myself in this subculture. Mm-hmm. And I think part of it was everybody is so scared of cancer mm-hmm. that they want to be able to point to, well, I don't do that. That's right? exactly right. I yeah. won't I won't get it because I don't do that. Like uh-huh. and they want to be able to explain why. Yeah. Because totally. how many of us know somebody who got cancer that really we don't know what causes it or why? And it's so puzzling to think this is so arbitrary. And yeah. that's frightening for people to think mm-hmm. it could happen to anyone so when they feel like they can say i'm going to put a pin in it that's why but but it's not helpful and 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 for you brought up you know what you eat 13 types of cancer are directly related to overweight and obesity mm-hmm. and um you know that's a thousand small decisions
0: right oh and obesity we visually think of as one thing Five years ago, I was medically obese. Anybody listening to this who knows me will be like, no way. That's not, that's not, that's not possible. Yes, it was. I was medically obese. I am not a tall person. To my advantage, to a point, I carry my weight very well. And then it reaches a threshold Mm -hmm. where I don't. And Mm -hmm. I had to be honest about that information. And with my heart disease history and the fact that at that point, I had a two-year-old. I was like, all right, Ellen, it's time to put on big girl panties and make a choice here. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of it had happened out of the grief of my father dying. You know, wow. there's nothing like emotional eating around grief. So I feel like we're a little distracted, but but not entirely. There are choices we can make. And yes. we can either help ourselves where we haven't, and there's really no shame in saying, Wow, these are the choices I've made. How's it impacted me? That's actually an um, courageous, honest, humble posture to yeah. say, "Maybe I haven't chosen my health like I, I would have. Maybe I have some regrets about that." Um, who knew when I started smoking at 14? that this was really going to be harder than I knew. I'll never forget someone saying at the shelter, you know, when somebody told me about speed, I wish they would have told me all that it could take from me if I continued.
1: Yeah, I want to tell you something that I think will give your listeners hope in regards to that. Yeah, this can all seem very overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, if I eat that cookie, I'm getting cancer. No, that's not what we're saying. But excess body weight, um, not eating well, not being, you know, being physically inactive, drinking too much. Those things do put you at higher risk for cancer, right? But I will also tell you one of the miracles of how we're created is, is the example of someone who's quit smoking within minutes their body starts to try to regenerate itself in so many different ways. Their taste and smell come back. Yes. After a couple of months, they're breathing better. After five months, their blood pressure is, you know, is back to someone who hadn't smoked in some ways. Right. So Mm -hmm. there's always a new day. There's always a new day.
0: I mean, I say to people at workshops, I say to clients, it's never too early. It's never too late. Yes. You're here now. Does our past impact our present and our future, certainly. But it doesn't dictate it. And so I think it's really important for us just to say, where are we? With what I know now, what am I going to do next? You know, and and that's part of what I I do all the time with work with people. You know, this is where I am. This is where I'm trying to be. What are my options here? What can I do? And very often we think things are worse than they are. And the truth is, there are always options. So thank you so much for joining us on A Life Shared to share options that we all have to pursue health and um, to minimize the impact that cancer has in our lives personally. Katie, thank you so much for joining us on A Life Shared. Oh,
1: well, this has been wonderful. And I just just encourage your your listeners to go to
0: cancer.org and, and just find out more. That That could be their first step. It's in the description. Thanks again, Katie. Thanks for joining me, Ellen Martin, for this episode of A Life Shared, Parent Helps and Renovations. I hope in some way it helped you live with others in ways that give life. That's A Life Shared. It's what we were made for.